This episode of Talk Your Book is proudly brought to you by Honan, providing a complete range of insurance, risk, and financial solutions. Bundy's called me up, told me to take a look, but stay stubborn as bulls and talk their own book. Get the money, get the money, get, get the money. Well, Scott Williams, welcome back to, uh, to Talk Your Book. Really appreciate your time. Why don't, for people that are yet to uh, hear you on the series, why don't you start by telling us a little bit about 51 Capital and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Good to be back. Um, so we're a global long short fund. We invest across developed markets. Uh, and typically we'll split the portfolio between big caps and small caps. I know you love your small caps, so we'll talk <laughs> about uh, one of the micro ones today for you guys. And what stock have you got you want to dive into today? So today we'll talk about a company called Invex Therapeutics, IXC. Um, I think I mentioned it on the last time we spoke, and it was just prior to the readout of their um, phase two trial, uh, which, which was successful. Uh, however, the stock hasn't I guess re-rated as, as many people would have thought, but the company we think has improved and got a lot more uh, going for it now than it did then with a lot less risk, yet investors are getting a much better uh, entry price for those that are, have a bit of patience, I guess. And they've completed their phase two trials. What's the name of their drug and what problem are they looking to solve? Sure. So Invex Therapeutics, or IXC is the ticker, uh, are going after quite a rare indication. It's a, um, it's a small market uh, called uh, idiopathic intracranial hypertension, so IIH for short. Uh, basically, what it is is it's a disease uh, typically found or predominantly found in uh, overweight uh, women between sort of you know mid middle-aged women. Uh, and normally, what happens is it creates extra cerebral spinal fluid. It puts a lot of pressure on your uh, in your brain, and you can lose your vision. Uh, and you typically is you know uh, you get very severe headaches and migraines that you know are relentless. The reason this indication is so um, interesting, there's not actually any other current treatment or, or standard of care on the market. So while being a small market uh, and the, the company sort of estimates peak sales could be around 1.6 billion, so we say small, but uh, it could, could be quite large, uh, it's probably less, uh, or sorry, it's more predominant than maybe what is published. Um, and that's why we also think there's a good opportunity in it, as well as the method of action of the drug could be obviously used into other indications that, that have similar uh, uh, symptoms. So raised intracranial pressure being the main thing that you can also see with traumatic brain injury, stroke, a number of other uh, indications the company could look at after. So we think it looks very interesting now that it's past the phase two and you've got a lot more data uh, to see the, how the drug is working and potentially how it will progress and be clinically developed. Uh, and also the feedback from regulators, which we also think the market's misunderstood, which no doubt we can talk a bit about today. And so you mentioned their phase two trials. What were the, some of the outcomes from phase two that you, uh, you were pleased with? So the phase two was run uh, at the University of Birmingham uh, in partnership with Dr. Uh, Professor Alex Sinclair. She's a uh, key opinion leader and thought leader in the space. She's run almost all the trials uh, in IIH and has a very large and uh, wide following. So it was really her discovery uh, that repurposing this um, drug uh, Xenotide, which is a GLP-1 antagonist, uh, to, to treat this, it would, that drug is currently used in diabetes. Um, so it's quite hard to get hold of, but if you can uh, repurpose it for this drug, uh, it's obviously, it's got a great safety profile. We, we've, as you know, been attracted to uh, companies that have repurposed drugs before, like Paradigm, uh, obviously repurposing for osteoarthritis. We've been attracted to those because you, you get a very uh, clear swathe of evidence on safety, which is a huge uh, hurdle for a lot of drug development companies. 
Um, so they developed this and did a small trial in the space. This one they treated around 16 or 16 patients. Uh, they actually had a pressure monitor in, uh, surgically put into the brain to monitor the pressure on an ongoing basis. So the readings are uh, really accurate and you saw a, a substantial drop in the pressure uh, across that. So while it was a small trial, it wasn't powered for statistical significance, but they did get that for the intracranial pressure reduction uh, and the secondary measures of headache and vision loss. Uh, they also uh, saw really strong trends in, the, in favorable directions and positive feedback from uh, the, the recipients in the trial against the placebo. So there was no other um, in the indication. Normally they sort of say weight loss is a good uh, way to uh, you know, treat and reduce the symptoms, but obviously that's extremely difficult. As I think a lot of people in Melbourne are finding out now being locked down and you eat too much and it's very hard, as well as if you have a significant migraine. So the relapse and um, problems with the, with the disease is that not a lot of people uh, can keep the weight off for a prolonged period of time or they don't do it in the first place. So they're looking for a tablet or something to take. And this being an injectable uh, looks, you know, the results are really, really promising. Um, and we actually, in prior to, and why we, we bought the company prior to the result is we actually had found some off-label use. There was petitions trying to ask for the drug to be used, but it's extremely difficult as a diabetic drug uh, to get access to. Uh, is, is, is you need to have diabetes essentially to get it from a prescription. So that that evidence was really difficult to find, but in finding it, it gave us confidence that the company would pass, um, and it obviously it did pass the trial. And now they're moving into that phase three and. The design of that trial is yet to be finalised, but that's obviously the, the potential opportunity here. Uh, and that's the thing that the, the FDA and EMA recently provided uh, feedback on that, um, I guess, people we think have mis, misread or, or misunderstood. So, you know, going forward, we think the company could easily re-rate it. It looks, you know, an attractive valuation at these prices. It's currently around a dollar a share. Uh, I think fully diluted. There's about 80 million shares on issue. Uh, and they're fully funded. They did a capital raising at a dollar thirty, so uh, it was well supported at that price. And yet, at a dollar, uh, it doesn't trade a whole heap of volume. So people have really forgotten about it. The fast money's chasing everything else moving, and we tend to like those opportunities because you can get set at a much more favourable level for a stock that could re-rate. You know, essentially, it could go up almost ten times from the current price. So we like to buy when there's less risk, and when we can see those asymmetric opportunities, which we definitely think this is um, starting to shape up and look like. Let's get back to the phase two. The, the, the issue of inserting the measuring device in, inside the, the patient's skulls was something they didn't have to do. It was something that was quite expensive. Do the regulators uh, put more onus on, um, I guess, things that are measured mechanically or scientifically as opposed to pain scores given by people on the opinion of, of how their, their headaches are feeling? Is that why the company chose to, to bear that extra cost? So that trial being only 16 patients, the cost was, um, I guess, negligible for that. Obviously, a bigger phase three registration study, uh, which is probably going to be somewhere between, say, one or 200 patients or potentially even more than that, um, we'll find out when the regulators give the feedback. Uh, it's not feasible to do that, and they won't. So they're saying the way that they'll measure the pressure reductions is through um, a lumbar puncture. So you insert a uh, needle into the back to measure the pressure. Not as accurate as you don't get 24-7 uh, monitoring. However, it's obviously for a bigger trial, you need to do it. And obviously, by having the invasive surgery, it's a bit of a deterrent for recruitment. Um, however, these people are desperate. <clears throat> They've got you know migraines going on all the time. It's um, you know, at your wit's end, so to speak, and you, you try anything. 
So, you know, one of the things we look for when we uh, invest in biotechnology businesses is ideally you want the drug to be able to work. Uh, you know, people need to then want that product. There needs to be an unsolved uh, problem in the market that it's fixing, uh, which will see obviously sales rise uh, when it gets commercialized. So we, we tend to want to see low risk of failure, high demand from clients or, or from um, uh, patients that will want that product. Uh, and, and this product, we think will meet both of those criteria. The phase three design is set to be finalised in quarter three this year. What are you hoping to see from that, that design? And what do you think the market didn't like about the initial discussions the company had regarding phase three with the regulators? So with an orphan indication, there is, and I guess these are a little bit misunderstood, they are much more favourable from the regulators, so the FDA and the EMA. You can have a number of uh, meetings with them and, and discussion points that, uh, I guess, help with the progression of that product through to commercialisation. They are very favourable in allowing access to the regulators to, to get feedback on trial design, on how to, um, I guess, best, what, what are the things that they're going to look for to best uh, get the product through and then have a product that you can, or a label granted that you can then sell. So the way they look at it, um, I guess the regulators look at that, is the orphan also gives you a um, period by doing that, it gives you a period of exclusivity as well. Now, those benefits mean that you can't have any other competitor come in uh, to, to develop a drug uh, for a period of you know, eight years and 10 years, uh, depending on where you are in the Europe or either the US. Uh, and that's above, over and above the patents that you have. So it's designed to help drug companies go after indications where there's a really small subset of the population and long clinical development pathways uh, or, or financing such developments don't make economic sense. They also uh, don't require a lot of the time two phase three st uh, studies. You can do smaller study size or sample sizes given that there's less population. Uh, and if the drug's safe, normally they'll try and push the product through uh, quicker to get through. Now, in the meeting that they had with the regulators and they, they went through with, without actually submitting the phase two data. So when you book in these meetings with the regulators, you need to su submit a big pack of information. You know, here's all our uh, toxicology, the drug um, uh, molecule manufacturing, study results, prior study results, past results um, from other studies. You, you, you make a really detailed set of data that's submitted that the regulator has months to review and then they schedule a meeting with yourselves. You go in and then they'll talk to that and how they might say to design a trial. Now, normally what they want is a clinical endpoint. So clinically meaningful being, you know, typically a reduction in pain or reduction of symptoms that is causing people to be uh, in discomfort as opposed to a, um, an endpoint such as just reducing the pressure, which uh, doesn't, or, or it is very typically associated with headaches because if you've got pressure in your brain, it's causing some issues or, or going blind. Um, but it's not a clinical endpoint. So they want to say your pressure was reduced and the symptom was resolved. Now, the interesting thing from the meeting, when they submitted that pack, we believe that they didn't have, or the companies advised us that they hadn't submitted all of their phase two data as yet because they booked the meeting in prior to the results just to get that initial meeting underway. Uh, and then they'll, they'll have several more meetings with the regulators on their trial design and how they'll progress uh, and the next parts for them is really the toxicology and um, uh, the uh, PK studies coming up that they're doing now in animals because they've reformulated the drug to be a longer lasting uh, 12 hour slow release uh, product as opposed to a, a multi or quick, quicker sort of impact. So they want it to be a slow release product 
over time, which is more suitable for, a, uh, I guess, a 24-7 headache uh, and raise pressure consistently. So the way we think that, that it's going to progress is the feedback from that trial, from that initial meeting, was that the, the regulator said, oh, okay, well, um, we haven't got enough information on this as yet, so you've got to do two studies. Now, the market thought, oh, I know that costs more money. Same thing happened to Paradigm, but, but obviously a bit different. We, we did discuss this on a podcast um, that we do uh, in a bit more detail as well. But uh, the way we think about it is that it's an initial meeting and there's a very high probability that once they submit the phase two data, the new toxicology stuff showing that obviously the drug's safe and it works, so you've got efficacy, your drug works, uh, there's a high probability, we think, that the regulator will actually say, you know, one one study is, is enough. If it has to do two, it's not a showstopper. Um, again, you know, it, it's a little bit of a frustration, but at a market cap right now at a dollar of 80 million with, and fully funded for that study, uh, you could easily even just do one study in Europe as opposed to doing um, Europe, US or two multiple studies uh, on that so but we'll learn more information on that as it comes out but we think the market's probably priced in uh that downside already and if it comes through it should it should re-rate higher we think you know at a sub 50 mil uh enterprise value that the business looks really cheap there's other businesses you know neuron pharmaceuticals there's other ones in america they trade at you know hundreds of millions of market cap um with you know indications that look similar uh in size for initial but then the progressive indications that we can go after arguably a lot bigger but there's obviously going to be a bit more drug development and time in that pathway but for the people with patient money and, and capital um, to find a business at these sort of levels that can re-rate 10 20 20x it's um, you know that they're the sort of opportunities we like in this space when you can see a drug's working it's got great method of action it's very safe um, and there's obviously markets for it uh, that it's going to solve a big problem for and so with over 30 million bucks uh in the bank, they're not going to be raising capital anytime soon. What do you think the, the milestones are coming up that could see them rewrite? So, I mean, one of the things that attract us, and well, one of the things we look for uh, in biotech companies as well is how they actually spend that money. So when we provide capital to a business, we don't like them uh, burning it on unnecessary things. So we want to see it going into an R&D uh, and obviously drug development because that's where ultimately it'll get paid. So the company's ramping up now and bringing on um, you know, chief regulatory officers and they're starting to expand more, but uh, we expect the burn to go up slightly, but they are very prudent with the capital and run a very low cost base, which, which is very attractive. The key milestones coming up is these uh, toxicology studies, which we're not expecting to be anything out of the ordinary. Um, the drug's been around for a long time. You know, diabetics take it every day uh, without any really side effects. Um, the next big thing will be the manufacturing as well. So they'll appoint a manufacturer uh, to GMP certification, which will then be, that's a big part as well for the regulator to say we can uh, produce this drug clean, safe to a set protocol uh, all the time and have consistency. They'll then take that, uh, the, the studies and also the manufacturing back to the regulator with the uh, phase two data and any other uh, bits of information that the regulator requested in terms of safety, uh, drug, you know, molecule composition. They, as I mentioned, have changed it from a, a slow a, a quick release to a slow release that will be drawn out over a longer period, which is more suitable. So they'll take all that new data uh, to the regulators, show them you know the, the study results, the safety from that, prove that the molecule composition is the same. It's not going to have any adverse events, and then they'll they'll show and probably talk more about the design of the study. So the when they came back originally, 
the EMA actually, we were actually very surprised. They said they would be happy on just the lumbar puncture showing that you're reducing the pressure without showing a clinical um, a headache endpoint, which that was actually very exciting. But then the FDA came back and said, we need more information and um, we think that that's not enough. And they were obviously wanting to see more of a clinical endpoint. We think the company will probably go after headaches being the you know, main main problem with it. Uh, and that'll be something that, we'll see in, in, the, in the upcoming study designs and how they'll do that. I guess one of the things with a clinical endpoint being headaches and people can, um, uh, especially against a placebo, when they're on studies can have these uh, the placebo effect essentially. So it can be harder to pass. But given the strength of the data that they produce in the phase two uh, and the clear reduction in pressure that the, the treatment actually causes in the body, it looks... You know, really, really promising for a longer-term um, drug that will get through and pass the study and be able to be registered. And as I said, in a in a market where the peak sales could be one point six billion dollars uh, per year, it's um it's pretty impressive. You mentioned some of the, the companies with comparable uh, targets they're going after in in similar spaces. Do you want to just walk us through some of them for for people to have a look at so that they can comfortable with the IXC valuation? Well, I mean, it's Australian biotechs to us, look, when you compare to offshore peers, such as, especially in America, uh, you know, drastically undervalued in comparison. Now, whether or not that's because they haven't run studies in America as yet and the US market uh, or pharmaceutical market also hasn't become across it, uh, we don't know. However, there is huge re-rate should they go to that. Just, just last week, uh, Johnson & Johnson or, or subsidiary Jensen bought a company called Momenta. Uh, Momenta was bought for six and a half billion US dollars cash. Uh, and they go after a very rare, uh, at the moment, a very rare uh, disease that treats about 2,000 to 4,000 pregnant women in the US every year. Uh, it is a biological, uh, so it would sell for a higher price. Uh, however, that was really the gateway into more indications below it that they think that the drug could be repurposed into um, and used in a similar effect. So that's an example of one that, you know, it was probably a bit extreme. It's, it's obviously a new molecule, new discovery, as opposed to a repurposed drug. So I guess the trade-off between the two is um, with a repurposed drug, you have a much clearer safety profile as opposed to a new new molecule, which is more exciting. Think about it like a, a mine site where a, um, you know, an old gold, uh, mine that you re you know redo up in a new price or find a new mining method that makes it uh, economic as opposed to a new exciting discovery that you put a drill hole into. So we tend to like things that are more proven. Um, other companies listed here like Neuron Pharmaceuticals is another one. Again, we think that looks quite quite attractive at these levels. That one I think this market caps around that sort of 150 mil uh, at the moment, or, or, and again funded. But they've they've already done a deal on their asset. They've they've got Acadia Pharmaceuticals, a larger, um, or, you know, large pharmaceutical business that's given them around, say, half a billion dollars or I think it was 455 uh, million in milestone payments that they can earn should they pass. You know, and these are the things that um, we also think Invex could come up with. Uh, the CEO, Jason Loveridge, he sold um, multiple pharmaceutical businesses in the past. We, we think they'll probably get it to a point where either the study gets approved and the IND are underway and that they maybe look to partner um, or potentially partner for distribution later. So there's obviously upside if there's a, the right deal comes along and you want to sell either the whole company or provide a licensing agreement 
um, you know, for someone else to come in and then they fund the, the development uh, or you go after other indications. So there's a lot of, uh, I guess, potential upside for a business right now that's you know, proven what they've got and passed the study with excellent team behind it. Even on the share register, you've got um, you know, Andrew Forrest's group. Uh, I think they own around 10% at the moment and the register's held by a number of, I guess, early stage investors that have followed their money into the business. Um, and it's kept a really tight register. So that's another thing that we, we find attractive to it. It's under the radar. There's a number of funds that have started to come on and buy a few, uh, but you know it's really early stage at the moment. And we think as the company moves through those next milestones and gets more certainty uh, on the study design and what the regulator wants to see, that's when you can see these big re-rates. Um, it also de-risks and opens the door for uh, large pharmaceutical businesses also to come in and potentially either buy the company, as we said, or, or license the drug. Well, it's, it might be a good place to finish. I know there's a lot of investors that jumped on your uh, jumped on the bandwagon post paradigm, which was a uh, a very enjoyable run for a lot of people. So, hopefully, there's plenty of people who get uh, a similar amount of joy out of uh, out of Index. I think the um, thing with biotechs is they take a lot longer than people you know might like. So when they get bored of uh, you know the, the slow timelines, they tend to move to the something else. And I think. I actually think both of those companies are in a similar situation right now where, you know, investors have potentially gone after the shiny reporting season companies that are moving and the traders have left left the room. Um, but as they come back and more, you know, the company just keeps kicking goals. We just want to see them keep ticking the boxes, get the drug through in development. Um, and when they eventually come through, you know, they're producing revenues that typically just go up and up as more and more people discover the product, want the product and need the product. So that's sort of what we're looking for and we're there for the journey. Beauty, mate. Really appreciate it. If people want to hear more about it and follow your journey, where can they find the podcast? Uh, so on our website, 51capital.com. Uh, it's on there. Otherwise, uh, I think Spotify and Apple, all the rest of it, it's on your normal podcast um, leasing thing. So we try and do it every week on a Thursday, uh, depending on how busy we've been. Uh, but yeah, try, try to get out there and put a bit of info, uh, share it around on companies that we're following on markets in general. Beauty. Thanks, Scott. Really appreciate it. Thanks, buddy. We'll chat soon. This episode of Talk Your Book was proudly brought to you by Honan, who go beyond a transactional insurance broker to deliver better outcomes for their clients. If you're enjoying Talk Your Book, make sure you subscribe to Chris Judd Invest.